0: Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. How far would you go to get what you wanted? Would you be willing to lose your life savings? Would you be willing to travel to the other side of the planet? Would you be willing to punch a hole through your roof? Join us for the message, God helps those who help themselves. Welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Now, how far would you go to get what you wanted? Would you be willing to lose your life savings? Would you be willing to travel to the other side of the planet? Would you be willing to punch a hole through your roof? Well, join us a little bit later for our message, God helps those who help themselves. It's part of our sermon series right now, What the Bible Doesn't Say. Our scripture today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter two, verses one through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, It was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around there that there was no longer room for them, not even in the front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.' Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up, take your mat and walk? But so you may know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's an old joke that goes something like this. One day there was a mighty flood. It covered the whole land. As the waters rose, one man climbed to the top of his roof to escape the deluge. Yet still the waters continued to rise, and they were just about to crest the roof. So the man prayed, Lord, I'm about to be swallowed by a flood. I pray for a miracle. Please stretch your mighty hands and rescue me from these waters. Well, within minutes after the man prayed, one of his neighbors came by in a rowboat. Hey, neighbor, come on to the side of the roof, and I can get you in my rowboat. But the man refused, saying, I have faith in God, and I know that the Lord is going to rescue me. So the neighbor rowed away, but still the waters got higher and higher and began to lap over the edges of the roof until they covered the man's feet. And after a while, a rescue boat filled with firefighters showed up. Here, sir, get in the boat, and we'll take you to safety. But the man refused, saying, I have faith in God, and I know the Lord is going to rescue me. So the boat motored away, but still the waters got higher and higher until they covered the man up to his waist. And after a while, a helicopter from the Coast Guard flew toward the man, hovered over to him, and one man came down on a rope, placed his hand there for the man while he's waist deep in water, and says, take my hand, sir, and we will fly you to safety. But the man refused, saying, I have faith in God, and the Lord is going to rescue me. So they flew away. And still the waters rose, covered the man completely, and he drowned, died, and went to heaven. Now, the man was glad to be in heaven, but he wondered why he had been allowed to drown. So he went to the Lord and said, Lord, I had faith in you. Why didn't you rescue me? For which the Lord replied, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Which more do you want? God helps those who help themselves. This man refused to help himself, so God either could or would not help him either. Now, God helps those who help themselves is one of those sayings that sounds vaguely biblical. Years ago on The Tonight Show, they were interviewing people on the street and asked them to name one of the Ten Commandments, and with regularity, time and again, people responded, God helps those who help themselves. Of course, God helps those who help themselves is not one of the Ten Commandments. And in fact, it appears nowhere in the Bible. But still, according to one poll, 80% of all Americans do believe that it is a direct quote from scripture. And moreover, more than half the respondents believe that God helps those who help themselves is one of the foundational messages of the Christian Bible. Well, the fact is, the statement originally uh, came from an ancient Greek pagan mythology uh, during the 5th century BC, and it wasn't until 1736 that Ben Franklin quoted it in his Poor Richard's Almanac, and from there on, it became part of the American mindset. Today we explore now the second of five sayings that are often repeated by Christians, but are not actually found in the Bible. And we repeat them because we can see that they're, they're somewhat true, at least if you look at things from a certain perspective, but they usually only point to one aspect of the truth. They are, in fact, only partial truths. And a deeper look at scripture usually reveals a far more complicated and subtle picture. Well, last week, if you recall, we looked at the saying, everything happens for a reason. But just since last Sunday, I heard this joke that I now have to share with you. Everything happens for a reason, but sometimes the reason is that you're stupid and make bad decisions. (laughs) And I know that that doesn't apply to any of us ever. Yeah. Well, last week we discussed everything happens for a reason and we discussed it as a response to a broader question that we have about God's providence and authority. How is God active in the world? How does the creator care for the creation? Moreover, how does God care about us? Well, saying that everything happens for a reason points to a God who is in control and causes events to happen. Uh, It also means, though, that humanity lacks free will. It is a rather passive response to the whole question of God's providence and authority. God helps those who help themselves is also a response to the question of God's providence and authority, but it looks at the problem and takes an almost exact opposite approach. Whereas everything happens for a reason emphasizes God's sovereignty and human passivity, God helps those who help themselves basically says, God's not gonna swoop down and rescue you. You need to get off your butt and pull up yourself by your own bootstraps, and then just maybe, only after you've proven yourself, God might pitch in a little help every now and then. So everything happens for a reason. God is the main actor and humanity looks on. God helps those who help themselves, human beings are the main actors, while God looks on. Well, there is one way in which the saying, God helps those who help themselves, points to an important truth. But there are two other ways that I think it badly misses the mark and it fails to reflect the full message of the Bible. But think back to our opening story. The man on the roof kept expecting God to rescue him and therefore turned down multiple offers that came to him from other people. Or consider this, consider a woman who was desperate for a job and she prays and prays with all her might so she can get a job to help pay off her creditors. Yet, she never writes out a resume She never leaves the house to go fill out an application. She doesn't even look for a job online. She just sits by the phone and waits for God to provide her with a job. Now how likely is it that someone out of the blue is going to call her and offer her a position? That woman may be one of those people that really does need to hear God helps those who help themselves. Yesterday in her presentation about uh, Martin Luther King and prayer, Evelyn Glass shared with us that Dr. King believed that prayer should never be a substitute for either laziness or stupidity, and in case of the woman looking for a job in other similar situations, people must not confuse God's promises of care and provision as then just a license to, take an, uh, to, be, an, to be a passive occupant of our lives. God means for us to be active participants in the unfolding of God's creation and the building up of the kingdom of God. We often say in the church that as the body of Christ, we are called to be Christ's hands and feet out in the world, working then to fulfill the mission of God. Well, evidently, Paul had to deal with a similar situation that had arisen in the church at Thessalonica. Many people in the early church were expecting Christ's imminent return even to the point of quitting their jobs and just sitting around and waiting for Christ to show up again. And we've seen this in modern times when some poor deluded oddball claims that the end of the world is just around the corner and people quit their jobs and they just wait for Armageddon to unfold. Well, in Thessalonica, as a result of their idleness and boredom, those people were also being disruptive in the larger community. So Paul admonishes them to follow his example and to earn their own living, and he writes to them in 2 Thessalonians, For even when we were with with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat, for we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Benedictine monks in the Middle Ages had a Latin phrase to kind of express the same thing, ora et labora, prayer and work. Pray for providence and blessings of God, but then do the work that God has called you to do. And there's another saying you may have have heard, it's been attributed to both St. Augustine and St. Ignatius, so that means we really don't know where it came from. But it says, "Pray." is if it all depends on God, work is if it all depends on you. So be responsible for yourself and be responsible to others. And then don't forget to thank the Lord for all of God's bounty. Because this is the truth to which God helps those who help themselves is pointing. But in another way, the phrase God helps those who help themselves can be very problematic. Several years ago in a previous church, I met a woman who was in desperate need of help. Though she had a part-time job, nevertheless she was homeless and she owed multiple payday loans. And frankly, I don't know how the owners of payday loan establishments sleep at night for the way that they take advantage of the poor. Nonetheless, this woman had lost her driver's license so none of the local agencies would assist her because she could not prove that she was a resident. And then also, without a driver's license, she couldn't apply for a better-paying job. She couldn't even rent a room, much less an apartment. Moreover, it was obvious that she had severe mental health problems. Most of the money from her part-time job went to pay the rent on multiple storage units. And no matter how much you argued with her, she refused to give up these storage units, even if it meant taking an additional payday loan. They contained what few possessions she had, but moreover, they contained items from the home of her deceased parents. And in her mind, to give up those items meant to give up her parents forever. Well, we finally worked with her long enough so that she was least able to consolidate her four storage units down to two units. But she still needed a driver's license to get any kind of assistance. So I made it my personal mission to get her a legal ID. And a legal ID is actually much easier to get than a new driver's license, besides she didn't have a car anyway. But since she was born in Brooklyn, New York, and New York State was the last place she'd ever had a valid driver's license, this process was gonna take a while. But after several weeks of wading through New York State bureaucracy, I was able to drive her to the local DMV and she was able to apply and eventually receive a legal Texas ID. Now there's a lot more to this story, but it was obvious that this woman was someone who was incapable of helping herself. She was one of those persons that just falls in the cracks of the system. She wasn't mentally ill enough so that she could be compelled to get help, but she was too mentally ill to actually manage her own life. And we did what we could but we did not have the power to save her, which, by the way, is something that I have to learn over and over again. And no amount, of, no amount of telling this woman that God helps those who help themselves was going to enable her to turn her life around. While the Bible may have that passage I read earlier about not working and not eating, the Bible contains so much more about the God who helps those who cannot help themselves. The same God then calls us to do the same to help those who cannot help themselves. And this, consider these biblical passages, and these are just a few of them. Leviticus says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the alien. I am the Lord your God. In Proverbs, we find at least these three Proverbs, and there's more along this line. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and will be repaid in full. If you close your ear to the cry of the poor, you will cry out and not be heard. Those who are generous are blessed, for they share their bread with the poor. And then multiple times throughout the Old Testament, the Lord commends that their charity and justice shall be extended To the widow and the orphan and the immigrant and the poor. In the Epistle of James in the New Testament, we find religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And when overheard by some Pharisees, or when Jesus overheard some Pharisees talking, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then finally, in Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan and his parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus speaks to the supremacy of love and compassion. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it unto me. Jesus really gives us no other choice if we're going to be among his followers then we have to live lives of compassion. And there really is no wiggle room on this. This is the very criteria on which we will be judged. So we can't use a phrase such as God helps those who help themselves to excuse us from being the kind of people that God is calling us to be. I mean, think about the paralytic man that Kathy read about earlier in the Gospel of Mark. Would he have been healed if his friends had not helped him get to Jesus? Because he was totally unable of getting to Jesus by himself. This week I was thinking as I was studying this story that why have have I never preached on this story before? Because it's really one of my favorite stories, uh, miracle stories about Jesus. And the text is incredibly rich. And so today we're going to have to limit the scope of this. But someday I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you all a good sermon on Mark chapter 2. Well, the story begins with Jesus at home after having been away for a while. Word gets out that Jesus is back. A crowd gathers. They're filling the house, and they're even spilling out into the street. And so Jesus begins to teach them. And meanwhile, a group of four friends is trying to find their way to to get to Jesus because they believe that he can heal their paralytic friend, whom they're now carrying in a stretcher. But the crowd is so dense that they cannot get anywhere near Jesus. So they devise a rather ingenious plan. They carry their friend to the roof of the house. Now, the the houses there in Capernaum at that time would have been made out of black basalt stone. And those houses would have had a flat roof. It would have been constructed by uh, crisscrossing poles in kind of a hatch pattern. And then over the poles, they would place branches and thatch. And then over the thatch, they they would lay out a layer of dried mud. And when it dried, the roofs would be strong enough for several people together, And families often went up on the roofs in the evening so they could catch the cool breeze. And to get to the roof, there would be stairs on either the side or the back of the house. And so even though the people were spilling out the front door, these four friends could easily go to the side or the back of the house and take the stairs to the roof. And since the roof was basically just thatch and dried mud, they could, with a little effort, break through the roof and lower their friend to Jesus. He was inside the house. And Jesus was so impressed by the faith of the four friends that he doesn't even mind that it's actually Jesus' own house that they have just punched a big hole in the roof. That's one of those details that a lot of you, you don't catch, but it actually says that Jesus is at home when this happens. Jesus not only declares that the paralytic's sins are forgiven, he also orders them to stand up, take up your mat, and go to your home, which he does. The paralytic could not help himself. He had to rely on friends, and then he had to rely on Jesus. But his friends had to do some hard work on his behalf. But again, what would have happened if they had not taken this initiative to dig through the roof? Now, of course, we want to help others in such a way that does not foster dependency or that ends up being harmful in the long run. When my previous church was trying to to help that that woman who did not have legal ID, we were constantly balancing how do we help her in the right ways that doesn't just make her more dependent. Because after all, we are called to be good stewards of what has been entrusted to us. But keep in mind that the Bible makes no distinction whatsoever between the deserving poor and the undeserving poor. We are commanded to help the poor, period. There's one final way in which the saying, God helps those who help themselves, is less than adequate, less than biblical. It leaves no room for grace. In the end, not a single one of us can truly help ourselves. Not a single one of us is able to work our way to salvation. Not a single one of us is able to disarm that sinful impulse within us. So because we could not help ourselves, God came down from heaven and became one of us. And the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ give us guidance and example to emulate And then the death of resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope and new life. God had to help us because we were incapable of helping ourselves. All of us, all of us, at some point in our lives, will get to a point where we descend so deeply into sin or despair or depression or grief that even only if just for a little while We cannot help ourselves, and we have to rely on our friends and family, and we have to rely on the grace of God. The person we love most in the world passes away. Our physical or mental illness becomes more than we can cope with. We screw up our lives to such an extent that we don't see any way out. Anger, resentment, guilt, or shame has ensnared us in such a way that we fear that we will go under. In the end, God is in the business of helping those who cannot help themselves, which is all of us. That is when we call upon the Lord. Our call to worship earlier was taken from the 121st Psalm, which is one of my favorites. So I want you to hear some of these words again. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Amen. Now receive this blessing. Go forth of this place confident that God is ever ready to help and to heal And may we be sources of help and healing to all those we meet. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next week we continue our sermon series, What the Bible Doesn't Say, with the message, God Won't Give You More Than You Can Handle. You can always access our services through our website, TUMCD.org, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, TUMCD.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.